I came across a quote uh, this past week, and I'm guessing it's in relationship to the cold temperatures that we had because we didn't have church last week, and said, the temperature is dropping way below zero and the north wind is increasing. I've done nothing but look through the kitchen window and just stare. My wife says if it gets much worse, she may have to let me in. Interesting. A lot of challenges we face in life, and today we're going to talk about crossing the finish line. And I thought, who best to look at than the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, where he talks about pressing on. And I'm going to say a movie, and anybody my age and older, even a little younger than me, would know this movie. Hopefully your kids know it, and hopefully you've shown it to your kids. And what I want you to think about when I say the movie title is the first thought that comes to your mind. And then I'm going to ask you if you thought about what I thought you would think about. Okay? Are you with me? All right. So the movie title, and it's an older movie, Chariots of Fire. Yeah. (laughs) The music. What do you think about? Is there a person? Who's the person you think about? Eric Little. Immediately, you don't think about the other runners. You think about Eric Little. Why? Because he won a gold medal? Well, yeah, he did win a gold medal in the Olympics in Paris in 1924. But that wasn't why he was remembered. He was remembered because he wouldn't run on the Lord's Day. That's why he was remembered. He was so convicted and convinced that God's day is God's day, and he wanted to cross the finish line with all the passion of Christ-likeness possible. He was also remembered because in the race that he was running, in the 400 meter, um, or actually in the uh, quarter mile race in the movie, he was accidentally knocked down. And he was 20 yards behind the runners. Well, you know in a quarter mile race, you can't be 20 yards behind because you only win by a fraction of a second. And he got up and he passed every runner on the track and crossed the line first. And here's what he said about that. The first half, he said, I ran as fast as I could. The second half, I ran faster with God's help. I like that. You see, if we're going to cross the finish line, we won't do it in the flesh. We won't do it in our strength, our personality, our education, our bank account. We will not do it in any other way other than with the help of God. Now, we can look at Paul and say, yeah, well, he was a pastor. He had faith. You know, he, was, he probably had a nice house he was living in, and things were going really well. He had a nice chariot to drive. And No, actually, he's in prison. <laughs> Remember, it's a prison epistle. He's in prison. And he's in chains. How do you run a race in chains? And yet he goes back, if you look in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, he's not having self-pity He's actually rejoicing in the fact that he's in chains for Christ. 
And he says in verse 12 in chapter 1, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. And the one thing we see about Paul is his Christ-likeness, but it's not just Christ-likeness. We become like Christ so that the gospel is advanced. That's what Philippians is all about, and that's what Paul is all about. We become like Christ to advance the gospel We don't just become like Christ just to become like Christ, but it's to advance the gospel. As you and I become more like Jesus, we advance the gospel. And that would be my passion for my own life and my passion for this church and everyone in this church and in this community and every follower of Christ that we would cross the finish line striving to be more like Christ and striving to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here's the first thing we see in chapter 3, in verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained all this. What is he talking about? He's talking about, I have not yet fully obtained Christ-likeness. I haven't experienced the power of the resurrection yet. Because if you go back in verse 10 of this chapter. Here's what he says. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. He had not yet experienced that, but he was looking forward to it. He wanted to be like Christ, and he wanted to know Christ not just mentally. He wanted to know him experientially, In his experience, in his day-to-day living, he wanted to know Christ. And he says, so not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. I'm not there. And some of the false teachers were actually teaching maybe perfectionism. And yes, they had arrived. And Paul's saying, no, I have not arrived. And Paul had been a Christian a long time. But he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And so here's the first thing. I have not ready obtained all this. We have a dissatisfaction with our progress toward Christ-likeness. Are you satisfied with where you are spiritually today? If you are, that's a bad place to be. Very bad place to be. I don't care if you've been a Christian 50 years. If you are satisfied with where you are, that leads to complacency and lethargy in the Christian life. We should be pressing on, like the Apostle Paul, totally dissatisfied with where we are in our walk with Christ and wanting to be more like Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, how can Paul say, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect? There's no way he can say that unless he does this. He reflects on his need for Christ-likeness. We need to take time to reflect. And that's why we open the scriptures, not just for good luck or to feel good about ourselves spiritually. It gives us time and opportunity for the Holy Spirit to show me my unchristlike attitude or spirit or behavior. I reflect on my need for Christ-likeness. The story is told of a heavyset woman who went to an exercise and diet clinic The first thing the supervisor did was he drew a silhouette on a mirror in the shape she wished to become. 
As she stood before the mirror, she bulged out over the silhouette. The instructor told her, our goal is to fit you into this shape. For many weeks, the woman dieted and exercised. Each week, she would stand in front of the mirror, but her volume, while decreasing, still extended beyond the silhouette. And so she exercised harder and dieted more rigidly. Finally, one day, to everyone's delight, as she stood in front of the mirror, she was conformed to the image of the silhouette. It takes time to be conformed to the image of God's Son. The discipline of sorrow and suffering, the exercises of pain and trials, conform us to his image. Paul recognized his prison experience was to help him be more Christ-like to advance the gospel. Let me ask you, would you take time this week to just evaluate where you're at in your life physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, in every way and say, in what area am I not being Christ-like? What area? Maybe I've got something going on with me physically. Do you know that God is in control of our physical abilities or lack thereof? Maybe I'm not where I need to, want to be financially. Are you honoring God with your finances? <laughs> Maybe I'm not where I really want to be in demonstrating the fruit of God's spirit in my life. Kids at school, do you demonstrate the fruit of God's spirit with your classmates? Let's take it out of the classroom. How about even in the locker room? My locker room talk and speech. Do I treat kids with the love, the joy, the gentleness, the self-control, the patience, all those things, kindness, that the fruit of the Spirit says we are to manifest? Christ-like, why, why, why do I want to do that? Because it advances the gospel. That's my passion that people would come to know Jesus. So I need to do a personal inventory of my life. You need to do one. I need to take an intentional, prolonged look on the inside of my life to see what is there, to see if I'm where I ought to be or if there are things that should not be there. How long has it been there? Are there areas that I have kept the door closed to because I went through a painful time and I'm harboring unforgiveness or bitterness towards someone, but I'm not going to open that door? Do you want to live in defeat? Or do you want to move toward Christ-likeness? A time of living for self or pleasure. You see, the church in Laodicea, listen to this verse in Revelation. Here is their personal inventory of themselves. He says, you say in the church, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. And I don't need a thing. But he says, here's the real truth about you. You do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. In other words, you, church in Laodicea, do not see your need for Christ's likeness and spiritual growth. Ow. That hurts. We need to constantly be evaluating our lives. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living. 
And in his old age, he was tried and judged worthy of death for his deeply held convictions and for expressing them publicly. And he accepted the judgment of the court and he willingly drank the cup of deadly hemlock because of what he believed. Do I spend more time on Facebook or more time in God's book? What is the last five books I have read? Why am I reading those books? What areas in my spiritual life are those books impacting? See, we need to realize I still have growing to do. I have not yet crossed the finish line. You have not yet crossed the finish line. I don't yet possess Christ's likeness. I have not yet been crowned with a garland of victory. I'm not satisfied with my current progress. At this point in my life, I wish I was more like Christ. At this point in my life, I would like the goal to be more like Christ. I do not always think like Christ, and I do not always act like Christ. I guess the question is, am I more like Christ now than I was three years ago? Or do I have the same patterns in my life now that I had three years ago that should have been handled? Some people are wrestling with the same sins. They're giving in to the same temptations. They're using the same excuses and they have little desire to be the person God wants them to be. They're stuck in their thinking, they're paralyzed in their relationships, they're hardened in their habits, and they're defensive in their behavior. Oswald Chambers said this, If I do not put to death the things in me which are not of God, they will put to death the things that are of God. I'm going to read that one more time. If I do not put to death the things in me which are not of God, they will put to death the things that are of God. So we need to be dissatisfied with where we are. Secondly, there needs to be a desire then to pursue Christ-likeness. Here, Paul is liking this to a race. And he says, I haven't attained this, but he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to take, have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. He's talking about a runner who has conditioned himself to run. You see, some people say, well, I don't have the right clothes, I don't have the right shoes, I don't, you know, my body's not in condition to run. You know, I've got other things to do. Um, the competition's too great. I, I can't imagine somebody lining up on the racetrack, getting in the starting blocks, and thinking, you know, I'm, 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 I'm lining up to race, but I plan to lose. <laughs> I'm lining up to lose. <laughs> I plan to have everybody beat me. No, we get in the race with the idea that we've got a chance to win. And God wants us to win. And for us, we've got to get out of the blocks and we have to run the race. There are a lot of people who get out of the blocks 
but somehow they stop on the track or they get off the track and want to rest. <laughs> or worse yet, remember Jim Marshall? <laughs> the former Viking great? He picks up the ball and he runs the wrong way. <laughs> Arguably one of the most embarrassing moments in sports history, running the wrong way and scoring a touchdown for the opponent. And I think of a lot of people in the Christian life, they start off in the starting blocks and they're going down the track and then like Jim Marshall, they pick up the ball and they start running the wrong way. Because if we don't keep our mind and heart on the word of God, we don't know which direction we're going. And we have to come back to the truth of his word and pursue Christ-likeness. Paul says, I pursue after, I chase after Christ-likeness with the intent of catching it. I'm doing it with earnestness, with diligence, an intensity, and a depth to grasp and comprehend. He says in 1 Corinthians 9.25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. In the late 1950s, you'll remember Jim Elliott, former husband of Elizabeth Elliott, gave up his life to reach a hostile tribe in the jungle of Ecuador. His words have been immortalized. He is not a fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And what does Paul tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 6? But you, he talks about the false teachers and how they were living and how their living was pursuing financial gain and material possessions and totally earthly. He says, but Timothy, you, man of God, flee from all this. Don't let that be the goal of your life. You pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. He tells Timothy to run from evil desires and pursue righteousness and faith and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He's saying, Timothy, don't live in the past. Don't live looking in a rearview mirror. What does Paul say here? Forgetting what is behind. Don't live in the past. Desire to pursue Christ's likeness. Oswald Chambers says this, the test of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ, in other words, in purity and holiness, is not our talk about holiness and singing pious hymns, but what we are like when no one sees us, with those who know us best. See, we know we're running the wrong direction when we see self-centeredness in our life. Self-centeredness robs people of moving toward Christ-likeness. When I'm so absorbed in my life, my family, my personal pursuits, and I have little time to devote to spiritual things. And notice what Paul says. I press on, he says, in verse 12, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He recognized his position in Christ. Christ made me his own. He paid for my salvation. 
The redemption that I have is through the finished work of Christ on the cross. And because I have accepted Christ, I'm in Christ. And because I'm in Christ and I have that position, my body, my soul, and my spirit belong to God. I have been, what does Corinthians say, bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body, with your life, the desire to pursue Christ. Glorify him in that life. I belong to Christ. So am I spending time in God's word to see if my daily decisions are pleasing to God? And thirdly, determination to pursue Christ-likeness. One thing I do, Paul says, not 100, not 50, not even 20, one thing I do, I press on. I forget what is behind. I put the past behind me, and I press on for that which lies ahead. Remember Jesus when he spoke to the rich young ruler? How many things do you lack? Fifty? No, one. One thing you lack. And Paul says, one thing I will do. The one thing we lack needs to be the one thing God wants us to do. One thing we lack. And he even told Mary, only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Only one thing is needed, Mary. <laughs> Sit at my feet to become like me. James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So, you know, I'm doing pretty good in my life, but you know, this one area over here, yeah, that one area keeps defeating me over and over and over. And that's the one thing that keeps you from doing the one thing that God wants is Christ-likeness. You see, the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in everything he does. So how do we do this? We break the chains of the past. How do we do that? By forgetting what is behind, dismissing from my mind former pursuits and even former accomplishments. I put those behind me. Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Remember Peter, how many times did he deny Christ? Three. Peter at some point had to put that behind him in his past and say, you know what? Yeah, I failed God. I failed God miserably. And I remember that. But you know what? I'm putting that behind me. And when he says forgetting the past, he doesn't mean you won't ever remember it again. He's saying don't let it influence your current life today. It's in the past. Yeah, you remember it, but it doesn't have an impact on how I'm living for Christ today. Because you can say, you know what? You know, I can't serve God today because this, this, and this. No, that's in the past. <laughs> that's behind you. You... Live for God in the present by not allowing the past to influence my today. Break the chains of the past. David impregnated a woman out of wedlock, somebody else's wife. That could have hampered him for the rest of his life, but he put it behind him. He broke the chains of his past. said, I've got to pursue God. Created me a clean heart, God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
That's what we have to do. And that's what he did. No longer influenced by the things that used to control me. Oh, I've got this addiction in my life. I, I can't get this addiction out of my life. Yes, you can. By the power of God and pursuing Christ, you absolutely can. Put that behind you. Paul had to put behind him the guilt of persecuting the church. Imagine him thinking back, you know, I was holding the clothes of a man who was being stoned. I was putting people in prison who were pursuing God. He had to put all that behind him and pursue Christ. And that's what he did. Don't live your life looking in the rearview mirror. Look out through the windshield. Look ahead for the future. Focus on the future. Straining toward what is ahead and allowing that to occupy my mind and my heart. Let me read you this quote. I don't have it on the PowerPoint, but I want to read it to you. Richard Taylor said this in The Disciplined Life. If our philosophy of discipleship, now when we talk about discipleship, you might as well say Christ-likeness. Being like Christ. If our philosophy of discipleship or Christ-likeness is thoroughly Christian, we will see that our choices and decisions and vocations are not to be determined by a feverish pursuit of personal happiness. Furthermore, our success or failure as Christians or as Christian workers cannot be measured by whether or not we are at the moment happy. Paul was not always happy nor was Luther, nor Wesley, but discipleship for them was not happiness. Here's the exclamation point. It was faithfulness and usefulness. That's what God is after, our Christ-likeness, to be like Jesus. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Let me ask you where you're at in your walk with Christ as we come into a new year of 2018. Do you want to go into it with a passion of a Paul? An Eric Little who said, you know what? <laughs> come what may, my highest priority is to honor Christ and advance the gospel. I want to be like Jesus I want the fruit of his spirit to be in my life, not just for the fruit of the spirit, but that, so that Christ is seen and the gospel is known. That's what it's all about. Who has God placed in your circle of influence that you need to be Christ to? Coworkers, family that are difficult. Family can be the most difficult place to live the Christian life. Maybe you have unsaved family around you, unsaved workers, unsaved people in the marketplace that God has given you context with, unsaved doctors or nurses. And because of your health, you are now crossing paths with people you would have never crossed paths with. And God's saying, will you be Christ-like to that doctor, to that nurse, to that person you would have never crossed paths with? That's what God is looking for in all of us for 2018. Are you satisfied with where you're at in your Christian journey? 
If you are, you're in a dangerous place. Say, God, don't let me become comfortable. Don't let me get in a spiritual rut. Awaken me out of that. Maybe there's a habit in your life that you have not put behind you and it continues to defeat you week after week and month after month and you keep saying, yeah, one of these days you need to take some radical spiritual steps to get out of that. And one of those steps is daily accountability. You find someone who is walking with God who you can trust and you say, I need an accountability partner. Someone who will pray with me and encourage me and check up on me. And it's not to try to find you messing up, it's trying to encourage you to come out of that mess so you will walk with God. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Christ. You can't begin to become like Christ if you don't even know him. And I don't mean know him mentally. I mean to know him in your life experience where you acknowledge you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. Shed his blood so that you could be forgiven, so that I could be forgiven. You've heard me say numerous times we're all broken people. That Christ died for broken people so that we could be made whole by the power of God. If you have a spiritual need in your life that we can pray with you about, would you see me after the service? Say, Pastor, I would like you to pray with me. Would you do that? It takes courage, but if you're serious, God will help you. And we want to help you and walk with you in that struggle or help you come to know a personal relationship with God. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.